Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and I just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. Well, we have been uh, talking for the past month about growing in spiritual maturity, and this morning we're going to study God's Word again together around that topic. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6 today. Celebrate that truth with us. And here's what we think. Every person who's a believer in Jesus should desire to grow more and more to be like Him, uh, just like we just sang about, that we want to be like Him, we want to know Him. And once we come to a place of faith where we ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins and we surrender to Him, then we go through this lifelong process called sanctification. It's a Spirit-led process of transformation that happens for the remainder of our life. So that more and more every day, every week, every month, every year, we become, if we're genuinely following after Christ, in his heart, we become more like him, that God transforms us through the power of his Holy Spirit to be like Jesus. And so throughout this series that we've called Me and My House, we'll talk about why we've called it that in just a minute, we've been saying this, and if you're taking notes this morning and want to write something down, here's what you can write down. We've said this every week of the series. When it comes to spiritual maturity, Jesus is our focus and Christ-likeness is our goal. That's the, the whole end of this thing, is that Jesus is our focus. If we want to be spiritually mature, then we need to set our gaze on Jesus, and the goal of our faith is Christ-likeness, that we become more and more like Jesus. And so when Paul wrote to the followers of Jesus in Philippi, he wrote this in Philippians 1, 3 through 6. He said, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And so Paul knew that for every follower of Jesus, that there was a desire for them to know who Jesus is, but to know that they're not completed in Christ on the day that they come into faith in him. We're completely saved by him on the day that we come into faith. But there is a lifelong process of sanctification. And Paul writes to the people in Philippi and says, listen, the God who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus which means that we will not be completely done in our sanctification process until we see Jesus face to face. Whether that's you dying and waking up in heaven uh, someday, or if it's when Jesus comes back to get us as his church. So when we think about this, we look at all of these different things about the idea of being sanctified, changed, to be more and more like Jesus all the time. We've been talking throughout this series about Joshua. Now in the Old Testament, when Joshua led the people of Israel into the promised land, he called them all together after God had given them the land. He said, here's my last kind of will and testament to you as a people, if you will. He goes, I want you to know these things. You can choose this day to serve whatever gods you desire, whether it's the gods from Egypt on the other side of the river, the gods of the people of the land you've just come in to possess. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so Joshua kind of lays down a gauntlet for the people of Israel and says, listen, I, I, I'm going to give you the freedom. God's not going to force you to do anything. You have the freedom to choose who you're going to serve, what gods you're going to worship. But as for me, the leader of this nation, the leader of these people in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And so Joshua starts with this idea that individually this is the pursuit. As for me, 
And you have to say that same thing for you. You have to come to conclusion that you're going to follow the Lord. This has to be an individual desire, an individual endeavor, but it's best done in relationship with others. And so Joshua says, I'm going to pursue the Lord. And then because of the passion that I have for God, I want my household to serve the Lord. I want everyone that I come in contact with to serve the Lord. It's my ambition to serve God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then it's my desire that everyone comes along with me to do that. And so in the pursuit of an individual spiritual growth and maturity, he says, I want my household to follow after God as well. This is best done in relationship. And so this morning, we've kind of shifted in the series from uh, the idea of going, how, how do I personally do that? How do I grow spiritually in maturity? Last week, we took the shift toward how do I do this in my house? What does this look like relationally with other people? We talked about how to submit to authority. We talked about how to live in respect, in, in relationship with your spouse. And we started kind of mentioning we're going to talk about children. Well, today, we're going to turn to that part of the focus. When it comes to the idea of being a follower of Jesus who has a desire, me and my house, how do I raise my children to know Jesus, to follow Jesus, and to walk with him throughout their life? And so disclaimer this morning, I get and completely understand that not everybody listening to me has kids yet. Some of you aren't old enough to have kids. Some of you aren't even married. Some of you uh, are married but haven't had children yet. Some of you have desired to have kids, but it hasn't happened. Some of you are just in different places in life. And I get that not everybody in here is going, I'm a parent and this is going to apply to me. So if you're not in that stage yet or you're not in that place, just hang in there, okay? And thanks for giving us permission to talk to people who are in this. But here's what I would say. Even if you're not a parent yourself, if you are a grandparent, you've got grandkids who are coming over and hanging out with you. If you're an aunt or an uncle, uh, if you're just somebody who's got good friends that have little kids and you hang out with their little kids every now and then to give them a date night, bless you, praise God for you, right? Uh, and so, uh, man, that's, there are always younger people in your life that you can invest in and pour into. Maybe you serve in our children's ministry. Maybe you serve in our Team 56 ministry. Maybe you serve in our youth ministry. And as your spiritual maturity has developed and taken hold, your desire has been to pour into and invest into the lives of littles and younger people than you, right? And so we go, in all of this, what does it look like to help the next generation come to a place of faith and spiritual maturity? And so we're going to look this morning at the central teaching in the Bible for leading kids towards spiritual growth uh, and maturity. And that comes in the Old Testament from the book of Deuteronomy. It's known as the Shema. This word in Hebrew means a couple of things. It means hear or listen, and it also means obey. And so there's this idea in the teaching of the Shema to say, I want you to hear what I'm going to say, listen to these things, and then put them into practice. Do what I'm telling you to do. And so in that, it sounds like a parent who's helping a child just go, hey, look, I'm going to teach you some things, and the things that I'm going to teach you are important, and I don't want you just to know about these things that I'm going to teach you. I want you to do these things, right? And so we want you to act these things out. And so uh, there's an expectation in this that the people of God would listen to the teachings of God, and then in obedience that we would find our distinguishing characteristic of spiritual maturity in the way that we follow after Jesus. So let's look at this passage together and see how God intends his people to learn to live in relationship with him. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. Moses is writing this and says, These are the commands, the decrees, and the laws the Lord your God has directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give to you, and so that you may enjoy long life Hear Israel and be careful to obey 
so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God your, and of your ancestors promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. So impress them on your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. All right. Now, as we get started into this this morning, I'm going to go ahead and tell you if you are somebody who's a little bit OCD and you like to fill in all the blanks and all those kinds of things, if you're taking notes on our app this morning, we're not going to finish everything that I've got in the notes for this morning. This is going to kind of become a two-part message. So come back next week and hear the end of it. Uh, but I want to give us the first parts of this today as we really start to understand what it looks like to be a people who follow after the heart of God. And so when Moses starts writing this, he says, God's given us these decrees, these commands, these laws. He's talking about if you went back and looked at the chapters before, God has just given the people of Israel the Ten Commandments. He says, these decrees, these commands, these laws, they're to be on your heart. God has given those things to Moses. Moses has passed them on to the nation of Israel to teach the people in order to observe his commands. Look at verse 2. He tells us what we're meant, uh, what's meant to impact us in this. He says, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live. And so if you're taking notes this morning, here's your first fill in the blanks. Faith in God is designed to be passed down from generation to generation. When we come into faith in God, the desire of our life is to pass that faith down generation to generation. We want our children and our grandchildren and their children and their grandchildren to know of the goodness of God. And so uh, David said this in Psalm 78, one through eight. He said, my people hear my teaching, listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have taught us. And we will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he's done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and has established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so that the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands they would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. And so the psalmist there tells us, listen, I want our generation to tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord so that they can tell the next generation, even those yet to be born, so that we can pass this on down through the generations. When you look back at Deuteronomy in verse 2, Moses tells the people that, inst uh, that instructing future generations in their faith, that those generations would learn to fear God, fear the Lord, to reverence him, to hold him in awe, to have a respect for him to have a healthy fear of God. And so uh, that's what Moses is trying to impart to the people, that the Lord their God will be feared as long as we live by keeping his decrees and his commands. Then he tells them that this is the goal of all this. Listen, anytime you see these words together in your Bible, just circle them. It says, so that. And I love that. Here's what I'm telling you. So that. And then the next phrase, look at what he says. So that you may enjoy long life. Because, man, what, what's the goal of these decrees, these commands, these the laws? Is, is God trying to be oppressive to you? Does God want to put his thumb on you and keep you from having fun? 
Man, I mean, so many parents, and less and less now, but there was a time in my life, especially when I was doing student ministry, and I'd have conversations with parents, and they would go, you know, Joel, I just don't want to force my faith on my kids. Like, I just want them to, to find for themselves what they believe, and I want them to, to experience things, and just, I want it to become theirs naturally. And I'm like, look, that, that sounds all well and good, and I'm not the kind of parent who wants to force Jesus down my kid's throat either. But here's the deal. That statement almost makes it sound like there's something better out there for your kids to find than Jesus. And if you know the truth of God's word and you say, I've found real hope, lasting hope, life-changing, joy-giving, passion-filled hope and grace in a Savior, then I want my kids to know him. And I'm not going to shove Jesus down their throat, but I'm going to do everything humanly possible to make Jesus in my life as appealing to my kids as he can possibly be so that they go, man, I want what dad's got. I follow Jesus because he just looks so beautiful in my parents' life. That's the ambition and that's the goal. Jesus is not trying to say, hey, tell your kids about the faith, push these things on your kids, do this because it'll keep them on the straight and narrow. He goes, this is going to happen so that they may enjoy life. God wants to give us his commands, his decrees, his rules, because he knows the best way for us to live. Not that he's oppressing us, but he knew when he was sending the people of Israel into the promised land where there were all these other nations that had foreign gods and worship of other things, he goes, you're going to get in there and if you don't have a passionate love for God, your heart's going to be turned toward these idols and toward these other things. He goes, so I'm going to give you certain rules to live by in which when you go into that land, it will give you the ability to stay in the life pursuit of joy. And what was his first command? Love God and have no other gods before me. Right, like make sure God is your primary pursuit. Look at verse three. He says, hear, O Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the next things on your outline. Spiritually mature people understand that the commands of God are for the benefit of his followers. They're for our good. When we think about this, when we teach our children this, when we're, they're spiritually maturing, a spiritually mature parent will help a child understand the commands of God are not meant to keep you from enjoying life and having fun in life. They're there to give you guidelines and ways that you can live life to the fullest. So it's for your benefit. And as parents, we need to help our kids understand how the commands of God are meant to increase our freedoms, not to take them away. You're more free when you do things God's way. You enjoy life more fully when you do things God's way. And so that starts with an understanding of who God is and how we relate to him. Look at verse 4. Moses writes and says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Now, we could spend probably a whole teaching series on the idea of what he says in the beginning of verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Uh, it's a deeply theological statement. We could spend a lot of time there, but we're not going to do that today in the context of what we're talking about. I want us more to look at verse 5 where he says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Love is what motivates us to follow after God in a way that's going to replicate down through the generations. 
Because I'm not going to follow after God and tell you to follow after God because that's just what we do. Just follow him. We were told to follow him, so you got to follow him. Like, that's how I was raised, so that's how you're going to be raised. He goes, no, no, no. I want you to fall in love with Jesus so that you would desire nothing more than for your kids to fall in love with Jesus and that they would desire nothing more than for their kids to fall in love with Jesus. And it's fine to have knowledge and we want to grow in knowledge, but if you only have knowledge and you don't have love to back it up, Paul talks about that in the New Testament. He says, if I have the, the ability to speak in tongues and I can do all these miraculous things, but if I don't have love, then it's like hitting a, a gong over and over again. It's just a clanging symbol. It's just noise. I want everything to be motivated by love. And so he goes, I want us to understand how to fully love God. So here's the next thing on your outline. Spiritually maturing kids will understand that loving God is greater than knowing about God. Like we want our kids to know about God, certainly. We want them to know the stories of the Bible. We want them to know deep theological truths. We want them to understand how to relate to God. But most importantly, we want them to love him. And here's why. I think when we think about this, Moses doesn't tell us to know stories about God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. He tells us to love God with everything we have in us. I don't want my kids to follow God because they have a, a lot of head knowledge about him and a lot of stories about him. I want them to follow God because they've fallen in love with him and they've seen the impact he's made in their personal lives. And they've seen the impact he's made in my life. And as they love God more fully, I think they're going to help others to want to do that same thing. I had an incredible conversation with my son this week. And he just started telling me about this friend at school that he's been sharing his faith with. I was blown away. I was like, that's incredible, man. Like, I haven't been going, hey, who do you need to talk to you about Jesus? And are you sharing your faith every day? And is this a thing? And like, he just started going, man, dad, I got this friend. And he had these questions and we started dialoguing back and forth. And the next thing you know, I'm, I'm just sharing my faith with him. I'm telling him what I believe. And I'm just talking to him about Jesus. And I was like, man, do I get like a bonus check for that? Or what happens in the life of a parent when that starts to replicate down through the generation? Like, that's incredible, right? And that's good stuff. That's what we want for our kids. I want my kids to act in obedience to Jesus because they've fallen in love with him. Look at what Moses says next in verse six. He says, the commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. I love that. It's so simple, but we need to help our children know Jesus at a heart level, at a love level, like not just at a head level, a rules level, an understanding level. The Bible says even the, the demons know about God and they tremble but they don't act in obedience to him. They don't love him. And so as parents for our kids, I want us to get to a place where we say, I want my kids to know God at a heart level. I want them to just think how beautiful he is. And here's why I think that's important. Because people, kids, will only follow rules to the extent that the rules make sense to them or to the extent that they don't conflict with what they desire personally. Right? And so when a rule comes against my personal ambitions, I'm probably going to choose what I want to do rather than obedience to the rule. But if I love the rule giver, I'm more likely to follow in obedience to the commands of God because I love him. And I want my kids to know that. I want our children to understand what it looks like to be growing in spiritual maturity it means that as we love the giver of the commands, then we're more apt to follow his commands. Not out of obligation and duty, like, oh, I can't, I have to keep these rules. But man, it's a joy to me 
to walk in the ways of God because the glory and the majesty of Jesus in front of me every day is worth more than following my own desires and my own heart to break his commands and his rules. And so I want to encourage my kids in that. Now, when you get down to this next part of the passage, here's where it starts to get really practical. We're going to hit on some of this today, and we're going to finish it up next week. But I love that God gives us specific ways to make sure that we take our relationship with him to the next generation. So look at what he says in verse 7. He says, impress them. Impress what? The commands and the decrees of God. Impress them on your children. Now, some of your translations may say, teach them diligently. The Hebrew word there relates the idea of repeated instruction not just once or twice. It's this idea of going, impress them, repeat them diligently, teach them over and over and over again. Because I don't know if you know this or not, but kids need to hear things more than one time before they get it. Or at least that's what I've been told. That hasn't been true in our experience as parents, but I'm sure other people probably, that was a joke. (laughs) And nobody got it. All right. So here's the thing. You need to impress these things on your kids over and over and over again. It's a repeated exercise. It's done in cycles. It's done every day. It's done multiple times a day. It's repeated in your life. Impress these things on your kids. Impress them. That's the idea of taking something and imprinting it into them, right? So I want you to train your kids in these ways. Impress these things on your kids. Repeated instruction. So here's the next blanks on your outline. Spiritually maturing kids need repeated, diligent relational instruction. As your kids are growing spiritually, as you're leading them to know Christ and invite him to be their savior, or as they've come into a faith in Jesus and they're growing in that spiritual maturity, he goes, your kids, our kids need repeated, diligent, relational instruction. Discipleship is always relational. It's been that way from the very beginning. This isn't a New Testament concept. It's not just the way Jesus did things. When we talk about making disciples in the church and we talk about relational discipleship, that wasn't a new thing that Jesus just came along and went, you know what, we're going to do things differently now. Discipleship is going to be all relational. This goes back to Moses. Moses goes, hey, listen, parents, if you want your kids to walk into the next generation of being followers of God, you as parents impress these things on your kids. Get on the floor with them and talk about them. Do these things. Do them diligently. Do them repeatedly. All discipleship is relational, and it comes to us as parents to do these things. And so look at how the law that Moses instructs parents to raise kids to know and follow God. Look at what he tells them to do and how. This is the practical part. Verse 7, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Right? And so Moses gets really specific. He goes, hey, parents, here's how you do this. If you want your kids to know and follow after Christ and to know God and fear him and keep his, his commands and obey him, then impress these things on your kids. Talk about it when you're at home. Talk about it when you're on the road, when you're driving in your car. Talk about it when you lie down. Talk about it when you get up. Tie these things on your hands and on your foreheads. Let the doorpost of your homes be covered in the teachings of God. As if, and we're going to talk next week about how we actively work these things out. But here's what I want you to start to understand today. 
These things are things that are going to happen in your home. But as a church, we believe that it's also our privilege and obligation to come along to equip families to do these things. That's the role of the church is we want to teach you how to take these things home. Next week, we're going to talk about some of the struggles that go into this and, and how parents uh, hit roadblocks sometimes in leading their kids to know Christ and follow after him and how the struggle that happens in our homes. But as the church, we believe that it's a priority of mixing the home and the church together to blend in as one, to say we want to equip you in the role that God has called you to have in your home to raise your kids, to raise your grandkids, to invest in your nieces and nephews, to pour into children in our church. So as you're growing spiritually, you're able to help them grow and mature spiritually. And so the way that that's kind of married in for us is we think about our children's ministry and how we invest through the lives of kids in our children's ministry. So with volunteers and people who are teaching them and the material that we use, the curriculum that we use to guide them and the way that we serve and minister through our staff team and how we impact the lives of kids through children's ministry. And most of you know, if you've been here for a while, that our church has been without a children's minister for several months now, for about six months, seven months. And it's been a long process of us trying to find the right person to engage in the, the lives of our family ministry and our children specifically. And today I get the privilege of telling you that we have made a decision on who we're going to hire for the role of children's minister here at Grace Fellowship Church. And that this is going to be a role that's going to be uh, continuing to be invested in a full-time level at our church. And it's going to be able to impact the things that happen, not only here, but in your homes as this person ministers and serves. And so this morning, I'm going to show you a picture of the person that we've hired. Her name is Ashley Maston. And Ashley currently lives in Florida. Uh, she will be moving here this coming week. And then next Sunday, she will be with us in person. Uh, go ahead and put up the next slide. I want you to see a little bit of Ashley's personality. She's going to be great with our kids. And uh, super excited to have Ashley join our team. Um, we have taken a long journey over these last seven months to this place. Uh, Ashley was someone that we identified pretty early on in our process of looking for a children's pastor. And in the process of getting into interview with her and taking next steps with her, uh, she had a really significant medical emergency that landed her in the hospital for about a month. And then there was a very long recovery period after that. Uh, it's been months of recovery and getting better and getting healthy and wounds healing and all of those kinds of things. And so just at the end of January, she was given the all clear by her doctor to say she's healed up, she's better, and she can take on a next step with her ministry life. And so we are so thankful this morning to be able to, to tell you as a church family, thank you for praying. Thank you for being patient with us as we've waited to bring the right person here at the right time and to do what we feel like God's been leading us to do. And I can't wait for you to get to know Ashley. I think she's going to make an incredible impact uh, on our children's ministry and on our church in general as a part of our staff team. And so I would just encourage you, if you will, to just continue to be praying for her and, uh, and asking God to continue to bring complete wholeness and health to her body physically uh, in this transition. And then uh, as she's getting started here, that we just know how to love her very well. 
and to take care of her. Uh, as somebody who's coming from a different state who doesn't have friends here and family here and those kinds of things, she's actually leaving some family to come and be here with us. And so a uh, new environment, new church, new place, and we just want to make sure that we love her very well. Um, but I'm so excited to just make that announcement to you today, and I can't wait to give you more details on how we're going to welcome her and what that's going to look like. All right? So thank you again for being patient with us in this process. Uh, now, this morning, as we start to wrap these things up, uh, here's what I just want to leave you with. When we have a, a strong and growing relationship with our kids, that comes on the influence, on the basis of your influence, the time you spend with them. As parents, your kids will listen to you and do what you say simply because of who you are at a certain stage in life. But over time, you need to have invested in the relational impact if as they get older and start to pass you in height and start to get bigger and stronger and have their own minds and wills about things, to go, why will they continue to listen to you talk about your faith and desire it for themselves in their personal lives? And the answer to that question is because of the relational investment that you make over and over and over and over again in them. And also how you connect them to other people who will make relational connections in their life. And so as a church, we want to be about that. Next week, we're going to talk about how you do this in your home and how we can help you make those connections across the board. All right. Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 10.45 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.